Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. What's up? Good morning on this Wednesday. You're listening to Mike in the Morning or watching Mike in the Morning because I know some of you guys do that as well. Welcome in. Always glad that you are with me. And today, um, a couple of things. First, we had midweek baseball last night. I mean, nothing remarkable happened in midweek baseball. So I briefly touch on it and then quickly move on. We got a measurement. So the NFL draft is coming up very, very soon. And we got a measurement yesterday. Or I guess this morning, actually. What am I saying? Didn't get it yesterday. Got it this morning about Devontae Smith. And it's not good. So what does it mean for the Heisman Trophy winner? Uh, just I mean, We're talking height and weight. That's all we got. What does that mean for the Heisman Trophy winner? I'll discuss that. And, of course, spring games, which is why you're here. It's the title of the show today. How much can we actually take away from a spring game? Mississippi State had theirs last weekend. Ole Miss has theirs upcoming this weekend. And things happen, good and bad, and, I mean, a lot of in-between. And what can we actually take away from a spring game? I, I don't know. So I will I will tackle that subject today right here on the show. But first, real quick, uh, I am Michael Borky. If you want to follow me on social media, do that. If you don't already, just search my name. I'm not very clever. I don't have one of those... Like Zach Bingham, a friend of the radio show, uh, he's on A to Z Sports in Nashville, um, building a little mini empire there, those guys. But his last name is Bingham, and his Twitter handle is Bada Bingham. Pretty good, right? N- not me. I'm not clever like that. Uh, so just search my name. You can find me there on social media and YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Again, just my name. Hit that subscribe button. It is free. And uh, also to the podcast. If you're watching on stream, this does get uploaded in podcast form. Also, the Sunday show appears on here as well. Um, Mike in the morning on iTunes, Michael Borky and Spotify will also turn up results and subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a review. All right, midweek baseball last night. I mean, you guys have heard me say it before. If you listen to me every day, I don't really read too much into midweek baseball games. I mean, there are a lot of arms that really don't see weekend action pitch. Like for Ole Miss, for example, Derek Diamond pitched in relief and was good, but it's Arkansas Little Rock. So, you know, when I'm looking at midweek baseball games, did they win? Yes. Okay, did anything significant happen? Well, not really. All right, move on. If they lose, maybe you talk about it. If there's an injury, unfortunately, you know, Ole Miss uh, felt that with Tim Elko for example. But, I mean, last night, Mississippi State takes care of UAB. They had like a billion runs. Um, And Ole Miss took care of Arkansas Little Rock. I mean, I know some of you guys probably want me to deep dive into those uh, midweek baseball games. I just, I don't think the masses really care. Um, Did they win? Yes. Did anything significant happen? No, not really. Okay, we'll move on and get ready for the weekend. A very important weekend for Ole Miss and an opportunity weekend for Mississippi State uh, going on the road at Vanderbilt. So that's all. I I mean, I I know that's uh, that's just kind of glossing over 
two baseball games that happened last night. I know people probably want to hear more. I just they beat Arkansas Little Rock and UAB. You guys really want me to dive deep on that? I don't think most of you do. So I'll move on. I mean, so you know they get wins. Vanderbilt, LSU coming up this weekend. I'll talk about that later uh, this week, especially because the Ole Miss LSU series gets started tomorrow. So we'll do that later. But I'm not going to break down games against Little Rock and UAB. Before I get into the spring game stuff, I do want to bring this up. So we got a measurement this morning. It is draft season, and a lot of the information you get during draft season, as as you guys know, is all over the place. San Francisco is going to take Mac Jones at three. Now suddenly they love Trey Lance at three, and Justin Fields is going to free fall because he's not a hard worker. And wait a minute, wait a minute, San Francisco might draft Justin Fields at three. And I mean, it's just. Information is just all over the place. This is the NFL draft. 90% of it is not true, and most of it is by design. But this, from the Heisman Trophy winner, um, I mean, unless these numbers are just flat-out inaccurate, um, this isn't like rumor or conjecture or anything like that. This is just factual. According to Albert Breer, Devontae Smith uh, got measured at the Indianapolis Medical Combine earlier this month. Um, Basically, they had a combine, but it wasn't a real combine. It was mostly just for teams to get official measurements, height, weight, hand size, all that stuff. Because, as you guys know, rosters and stuff like that uh, are never, ever, ever accurate. Uh, for example, Elijah Moore was two inches shorter than what he was listed at officially. He's five foot nine, which is not a bad number for him, but he's not five foot eleven like he was listed in some places. Uh, so they got official numbers from everybody, and Devontae Smith's numbers leaked out earlier today. And um, Albert Breer had it six foot even and 166 pounds. Six foot even. 166 pounds for the Heisman Trophy winning Alabama wide receiver. And so I'm afraid I'm about to go all Max Kellerman on you guys. But if I was a team that needed a wide receiver, the Saints need a wide receiver. They either need to go possibly secondary in the first round now because we'll see what happens with Marshawn Lattimore's legal issue. Um they need, they need linebacker help. They probably need defensive back help now, but they also need wide receivers. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. They've got Michael Thomas and a bunch of threes and fours. There's no two, really, in that wide receiver room. They need one. This number would take me away from Devontae Smith. I know he's a great player. I, I know he's a really good wide receiver. He won the Heisman for a reason. But this draft is full of high-level wide receivers. There's a lot of them here. And if you need one, if you're in the middle of the first round, where a lot of people think he was going to go, maybe even early first round, and you need a wide receiver, are you really taking 166 pounds? See, my answer is no. You knew he was going to be skinny. He's a a smaller-bodied receiver with really long arms, and he's got great speed and good hands and all that stuff. But this is the NFL. You you can't just outrun everybody in the NFL like he did in college, playing against Vanderbilt and Ole Miss and and those kind of teams where he maybe saw just a couple of NFL defensive backs all, all season long this past season. 
It's a completely different animal. And at 166 pounds, can your body hold up through one season, let alone 10 seasons or more of a career? If I were an NFL team, again, I'm sorry for going Max Kellerman on you. He's 166 pounds. Uh, but if I needed a wide receiver, I think this, because they're so they're so deep and so good in this position, in this draft, I would probably go elsewhere for a wide receiver, personally. Because to use a local example, um, A.J. Brown has been just phenomenal in the NFL so far. Back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons. And while A.J. Brown is very fast, while he's big, I mean, he and Devontae Smith are different receivers. He's Brown's bigger. They're the same height, but Brown's he's a bigger-bodied guy. Um, he has good hands. He runs good routes. He's got good speed. But his best attribute is durability. That's what makes A.J. Brown so so great and so useful in the NFL is he can make the physical catches. He can go over the middle. He can face press coverage and out-physical these guys that are on the same plane as him in speed. Um, he can take hits, get back up, and go do it again. I think durability is his best attribute. And can you get something like that from Devontae Smith? Can he take hits and get back up and keep playing at 166 pounds? Can he go over the middle and have a safety, take a free shot at him, and, and him survive that? Not life and death, but you know what I mean. Can he face press coverage against guys that have 40 pounds on him and be successful? It's easy to do that in college because you're not facing NFL defensive backs. It's a whole different animal at that level. So I would go somewhere else. I, I think this is a big, big red flag at this size. I know he's got great speed and hands, and I'm, I'm sure he's a, a great guy and all that stuff. I'm not disparaging his character or anything like that. But at this weight, I would have major questions about durability in the NFL. And if I needed a wide receiver, I'd go somewhere else. That's just me. John, I, I see your comment. I, I'll get to that, I promise, because um, I, li- I like that for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's big news in the NFL circles this morning. Um, I wouldn't take him. I know that's very hot takey. Max Kellerman, like next on Undisputed, Skip Bayless is going to tell you something dumb. I know. I'm going down that road, but I would not take him. 166 pounds. There's other wide receivers in this draft that are good. That would turn me away. And as a Saints guy, if he's available and there are other receivers, some of these other first-round guys that are available, I would rather them go elsewhere, truly. I mean, here's some perspective for you to use another local example. It just happens to be another Ole Miss guy. Elijah Moore is three inches shorter than Devontae Smith and 20 pounds heavier. Three inches shorter and 20 pounds heavier. It's a red flag. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a drop. Now, he's a first-round talent, absolutely. Wouldn't be surprised to see a drop. But you guys are here to talk about spring games. So let's get into that right now. Spring games. Mississippi State's happened last weekend. Ole Miss is happening on Saturday. Um, Lane Kiffin's throwing out the first pitch of the baseball game, too, <laughs> for whatever that's worth. Um, so what should we take away from spring games? John says this. We should actually take away from spring games. They're over. Football season is upon us, he said, albeit year-round. And 
do I like my seat or do I want a new one for the fall? <laughs> Fair enough. I, I mean, um, what should you take away from spring games? For example, I saw somebody, uh, Barrett Salee, who I actually like. I know Mississippi State fans don't like him, but I, I really like Barrett Salee. He seems like a good dude, um, works hard, puts out content year-round on college football, which is not an easy thing to do to keep it fresh and new and um, he doesn't bat a thousand because nobody in this business bats a thousand. I, I like him personally, but he said after watching the LSU game and he put a caveat that it's subject to change. But after watching the LSU spring game, he said that he thinks he changed his mind from they're going to be down to they're going to compete with Alabama in the SEC West. And I am always trying to caution myself to do that with spring games because all he watched was LSU play against LSU. That's all he watched was LSU versus LSU. How can you change your mind from this is going to be a bad team to this is going to be a team that competes with Alabama after watching them play against themselves? I can't do that. So what can you take away from spring games? I think there are a handful of things. So when you look at Mississippi States, and again, this is with a major caveat. Now, this is the only time I got to see Mississippi State this spring. People that live there, local media, got to see a couple more scrimmages, but that's really it. Um, I've only gotten to see one practice, which is all a spring game is, from Mississippi State this year. That's all I've gotten to see. It's also the spring game where the team is divided in half. Now, you had majority ones on the Mississippi State uh on Will Rogers' side, the Maroon side, uh, and you had, it seemed like, majority ones on uh, the opposite defense. So, but it's a spring game. The team is divided. You don't know if they are just running plays to get certain looks. The defense likely knows what's coming. They're not really blitzing or doing anything exotic anyway. It's just a practice. So we don't know. We're not in the headsets. We don't know if Mike Leach said, run this play 10 times in a row or whatever, because I want to see a look. I want to get a look that we need to get on film and see if we need to adjust something schematically. Or maybe they approached it with, we're not showing these people anything. Be as vanilla as you can. Uh, so I don't know. It's a major caveat there. It is a spring game, right? It's a, a, a practice amongst themselves with a divided team, and we don't know what the coaching staff's approach to the scrimmage was. So with all that being said, here are a few things that I think you can take away from Mississippi State spring game. Things that, that you would have liked to have seen that maybe you didn't, or things that you did see that were a, a very nice surprise. First of all, though, it's the injury that's the biggest story. I talked about it on the, the Sunday show some, so forgive me for being a little repetitive. Wally's injury or lack of injury is the biggest story from Mississippi State spring game to me. It looked really ugly. I... I Honestly, when I saw it, I thought he's done for the year. That that is something torn in that knee, and that's it. No Wally for Mississippi State this year. That's what I thought. And then you get the picture uh, after the spring game of him still in his football pants, shirtless, with sunglasses and a cowboy hat on. And, um, I mean, it's just hilarious. Um, and that should be, like, Mississippi State's mascot this year. Like, I, I love Bully. Uh, I, I think... That kind of bulldog, like the Ugga, with all due respect, is ugly. I'm sorry. Ugga's ugly. 
I know you shouldn't say that about dogs, but compared to Jack, Ugga's ugly, all right? But Mississippi State should change their mascot to just a caricature of Wally dressed like that after the spring game. That's the biggest takeaway, is that it was not a season-ending injury. It was a sprain. He's going to be okay. He's got, let's see, five months, four and a half months to recover before the first game. Big, deep breath, sigh of relief. Because I think he's Mississippi State's best offensive player. I'm sure all of you think that as well. Um, Brule on the other side to me, but Wally, uh, Mississippi State's most explosive player. They're, he's a guy that I know Mike Leach's offense doesn't really do this, but they should use Wally the way Ole Miss used Elijah Moore last year. Just get him the ball. J- just get it to him. I don't care how. If you have to line him up in the backfield, do it. If you have to force your quarterback to just throw him the ball, do it. He's an explosive athlete. If he progresses and he recovers, which he will, um, that's how they should use him this year. And so big sigh of relief seeing him obviously in good spirits and uh, and healthy relatively anyway. Um, so that's the biggest takeaway is that Wally's okay. But a couple of other things that that I noticed that when you apply the caveat for whatever it's worth, um, Will Rogers did not quite look like he was in command of the quarterback battle. He didn't look the part. And again, it's one scrimmage. You don't know if they're just trying to give him looks or what. But going into this, I have been a Will Rogers stan, as the kids say. I think that people that are writing him off, I think they're crazy. He was a true freshman in a weird situation in a COVID year with a new coach playing SEC-only games. He was not supposed to be the starter last year, and he ended up getting thrust into a role uh, faster than he was prepared for, and I thought he performed admirably. So I've kind of been on the Will Rogers defense team uh, really all offseason. Going into this spring game, I, I was looking to see him look like he was in command, and I did not see that. That doesn't mean you know he's not going to be the starter. That doesn't mean he's not going to be good or not progressing. But I, I would have liked to have seen more from Will Rogers. It did not look like he had separated himself at all. In fact, Abraham at time flashed just as much, if not better, than he did. And so that that's one thing that I took away is that I believe it's only one one scrimmage that I watched, but. Uh, I do believe and expect it to be a true quarterback competition because from what I saw and from what I've heard, Rodgers has not separated himself uh, at all, and it didn't look like he did on Saturday. Uh, I was a little disappointed in that uh, because going into year two, a, a real um, a real spring practice and everything just didn't look like he was in command, and that's something that I was definitely watching for, and, and I did not see that. But again, it's a spring game. Uh, The offensive line, with the caveat being in place, uh, did not look improved either. Uh, That was really concerning, especially because you're not getting exotic blitz blitz packages and stuff like that. You're not really getting schemed up from your defense. Still gave up too much pressure. Quarterbacks were still under duress far too often. Now, you also didn't see the rush three drop eight as much as you will during the season, so maybe they'll protect better against three-man fronts, but didn't like the way that they they looked at, at all. Again, they're divided. Spring practice could have had a bad day, whatever. But 
Mississippi State will not get any better this year if the offensive line does not get any better. And that's just the truth. Football is won and lost in the trenches anyway, but Mississippi State was especially awful on the offensive line last year. Three-man rushes and four-man rushes repeatedly got to the quarterback. That's why they couldn't move the ball on offense. It wasn't so much that the air raid didn't work. It's teams were able to get pressure with three guys. And if you're giving up pressure when they're only rushing three, of course you're not going to have success throwing the football. So they've got to get better there. Did not really enjoy, um, excuse me, did not really enjoy, didn't like what I saw from uh, Mississippi State's offensive line the one time I got to see them this spring. But uh, positive thing, the secondary should be great for Mississippi State. I love Zach Arnett. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I think that his approach is just awesome, where he's never satisfied. Like, even when the defense plays well, it's, nope, not good enough. His attitude is one that I really like. Um, obviously, he's a good defensive coach. They were constantly, constantly, uh, last season, even though the time of possession is kind of, kind of fools you some, Mississippi State's defense was constantly playing with their backs against the wall, playing quick possession after quick possession after quick possession, and they performed really well. Now, of course, they lost some bodies up front and that linebacker, but that's secondary for Mississippi State. Um, it's really talented. I mean, there's one for sure NFL body back there, probably multiple. Uh, so that was a good thing that I saw for sure. Uh, aside from Wally not being hurt, was that secondary might be nasty uh, for Mississippi State. One of the better ones in the league. So outside of that, I don't know if there's anything else I can I can really take away from just a spring scrimmage. But uh, Wally not being hurt's a great thing, uh, as is Mississippi State's secondary. They look good. Um, there's real talent back there. Did not like what I saw from Rodgers. Uh, I think it's a true quarterback competition. Nobody really looked like they were taking a stronghold of that position. Um, maybe they did in practice, but they did not on Saturday. And the offensive line looks like it still might have some problems. But it's a spring game. So, um, John says, the defense knows where the ball is going. The plays are scripted. The speed or ebb and flow is different. Difficult to make a statement like that about LSU watching them play themselves. Yeah, I'd see, I can't do that. My expectations for Mississippi State this year have not changed at all because it is a spring game. Haven't changed at all. Um, although I was disappointed with a couple of things. But anyway, for Ole Miss this weekend, I'm watching a couple of things. Um, you've heard that they're better on defense. And on paper, they should be. They are more talented on defense on paper than they were a year ago. A lot of new faces. Uh, if you're not a big old Miss fan, or or you wait to the fall till you really, you know, learn about your team, there's a lot of names that you're not going to recognize uh, that are going to be starters uh, on your defense. New faces, new bodies, and on paper they have upgraded in talent, but you know they got to prove it. So I'm watching for a couple of things um, in the secondary. Uh, giving up big plays, if they're able to stop that. If Miles Battles specifically uh, is making a progression, uh, he came to Ole Miss as a wide receiver, obviously, and they moved him over to defensive back, and I think he's got the the raw ability to become a guy that's like good enough to play in the NFL, but it's learning a new position, so 
I'll specifically be watching for him. The the junior college guys on the defensive line, how do they look against an experienced Ole Miss offensive line? You'll get a pretty good gauge of how they look, even though it is a spring game. But because of how talented and experienced Ole Miss is up front, you'll get a pretty good gauge of how these guys are holding up against what is a legit good SEC offensive line. And then somebody at wide receiver needs to step up and and show that they're ready to produce in the absence of Elijah Moore. You're already solid at quarterback. Um, you know, you're solid at running back, even though you won't see Jerry and Ely, obviously. I mean, he's with the baseball team and just had shoulder surgery, so he won't be out there. Uh, obviously, Plumley will not be out there, but will somebody at wide receiver show flashes of being a guy that can produce in the absence of Elijah Moore? What will the junior college defensive lineman look like against what is a pretty talented and experienced Ole Miss offensive line? And specifically, Miles Battle, I'm curious to see how he has progressed after the position switch because I think he's capable of being an NFL caliber. I mean, he's got the raw ability to be that and the size, especially if he can progress and and learn that side of the ball. So we'll see this weekend. Uh, Of course, I will overreact to that as well uh, come next week. But I think that's really what you take away from spring games. It, It always cracks me up when you're watching these spring games and you know, the team completes a long pass or something, and everybody in the crowd is, like, cheering and clapping and stuff. Yes, I mean, that that's cool to, to watch a long completion, but that means your defense gave up gave up a long completion. So what are you clapping about? I mean, it's – what are you happy for? You just gave up a long pass. Yeah, but did you see that throw? But, yeah, did you see the defensive back give up that throw? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, it's always weird watching and analyzing spring games. But anyway, uh, they're fun, and they give me content in a kind of a down year, especially because my basketball team right now uh, cannot close games. So I, I've I've needed a distraction because last night, yet again, the Pelicans are in a close game and cannot close. It's just so frustrating. Ooh, they they, mm, they kill me. They kill me. Got to remember that they're all 23 or younger, so just kind of learning how to win. But I appreciate the distraction this morning, talking uh, spring football. So you guys enjoy your day. Uh, of course, listen to the radio show this afternoon. We'll be talking more spring game and draft stuff. Hopefully have Deuce McAllister on the show today. That'll be great. Um, so anyway, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you guys for tuning in, as you always do, and I'll talk to you guys again uh, tomorrow. Oh, John, I forgot your first comment. Let's see. Uh, he said, hasn't radio been fun the past few days with the term relegation slipping into American sports fans vernacular? Man, I love the concept of relegation is so interesting to me. And, and I think that would make American sports better if we implemented that system in American sports. So I grew up on FCS football, which like Furman can never compete with the SEC, but still, I grew up on FCS football, going to Greenville Growl hockey games, uh, a minor league team. They play in the ECHL. And the Greenville Braves, which actually moved to Mississippi. So the Mississippi Braves moved from my hometown, um, and then they got a Red Sox affiliate shortly thereafter with a new stadium. But I grew up on minor league hockey, uh, FCS football, and minor league baseball. And while I loved it, because I was a kid that loved sports and and all that stuff, um, having, like 
they're now called the Swamp Rabbits. It's a local reference. You guys wouldn't get it, and you would laugh if I told you the story. But having that hockey team, instead of being an affiliate of the Carolina Hurricanes, being an independent entity, that if they worked hard, if they scouted correctly, if they won games, could move up to the higher levels of hockey, I think that would be awesome for American sports. I loved it, but it you, you just knew it was um, developmental. Like the Mississippi Braves, their games don't matter. All they're doing is scouting these guys to see if they play in Atlanta. But wins and losses, they don't really matter. It's just about getting to the show. But having these local games and these smaller markets that have real stakes on them, I think would be great for American sports. But anyway, it's been fun. It's been really fun, John. I love thinking about it. It'll never happen, but man, do I love thinking about it. Um, the, the Euros get that right, for sure. The concept of relegation. They get that right. I wish we had it here. So, anyway. Yeah, they played the Seawolves. Um, I, I can't... The league has changed so much now. I, I don't even recognize many of the teams left, but... Uh, it was good stuff. Used to sit on the glass and hit the glass when guys would come up. I've got a couple of jerseys and stuff still from, from old Greenville Growl games. Uh, we had two teams in Mississippi, right? Or three, because there was one in South Haven, there was one in Jackson, and then one in Biloxi. Uh, wish we would bring those back, but anyway. Y'all have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll uh, talk to you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.